We'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I just want to give a, a shout-out on the podcast to Jade from Sweden and her dad from Ireland. And they came on Zoom two and a half years ago, and she sent me a text yesterday. She was worried about my ankle and this and that. And um, she's been on Zoom a couple times, and she's been listening for two and a half years, her and dad. And so uh, that's kind of neat. Never know how something you do if you're serving the Lord, how it's going to affect other people. And that's really from the book of the James, too, which they use to... Uh, and studied uh, in writing the big book. Um, today we're going to cover uh, one, two, three, four, five paragraphs of Changed My Life. I think I'd been doing this meeting for a while, uh, several years before I actually saw the truth in here. I had listened to a million uh, different uh, uh, seminars on. Uh, the big book, Joe and Charlie, uh, this and that. I'd heard a lot about when you have resentment, you need to pray for the other person from uh, freedom from bondage and that uh, keep praying for them and, and then uh, that will help you let go of your resentment. And uh, I'd heard that a lot and I don't say that that's not true, but what's in these paragraphs is simple instructions for me to be free of anger. And as long as I follow the instructions and say the four prayers in here, then I can be free of anger. And I try to do it, and, I, uh, and when I do it, it seems to work. And sometimes I have to say them a couple times, sometimes to the same person each day, get the hint. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it works if you have the right attitude. And I'll just review for, uh, uh, because I always do that, uh, this paragraph on page 66, it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment, so it has to be obvious to me, deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Now, when does a resentment become deep? How long do you have to hold on to your disturbance or anger for it to be deep? Now, for me, there's still some people, when I think about them, I get a little agitated. But I'm not really angry at them anymore. I've done this work. But when I came in, I had some deep resentments. And I've had some that I didn't realize were deep resentments, but it, just things kept bothering me. And so I don't want anything to hold on to anything to block me from God. And I hope that I've let go of all of them. But when you think of things in the past, sometimes you'll, you'll think of something, why did I do that? And I do that, but I don't say, gee, I'm still angry at that person, which is a difference. And why did I do it? Because I was self-centered, I was managing my life. So when I carry on that, that why did I keep doing that and that guilt, that's just a form of self-pity and self-centeredness because God forgives me and I have to forgive myself. And it says that at night, and 
step 11, it says we ask God's forgiveness and what corrective measures for the next day so we don't do it again. So it's plain that a deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. And a deep resentment could be something that happened at noon and I'm thinking about it at two o'clock. Now I forgot to tell you what, uh, uh, what I first heard about resentment from Joe and Charlie is that I watch a lot of NFL football, anybody watch it, and they, and they have that replay, you know, and they'll replay it over and over. You wonder, now that they have the review, they replay it endlessly. Well, he, they said that in the first quarter, something will happen to a player and they'll replay it. And what happens with us is something will happen and we'll get a resentment or angry at someone. And we just keep replaying it. Meanwhile, it's, it's eight o'clock at night and we're still replaying the resentment from 10. And that's all it is. We're replaying it in our mind, refeeling the anger. And then what we do when we have resentment, a lot of us, is we blame that person. And it's usually us that started the resentment. And we can't see that we're blaming them for something we did. And that's what the fourth step is all about. And then to the precise extent that I permit these, I'm the one that permits the resentment. I'm the one that's replaying the play. It's already over. So what I want to learn in these next five paragraphs is how not to replay it. When I start to replay it, once is enough, Michael. And just be done with it. That's a good thought. One replay is all we get in AA. I permit these, I squander the hours that might have been worthwhile, and I'm wasting my, I can't be of service to God and others because I'm living in these resentments. If you have enough of these, and your life's not gonna change. You'll still be emotionally upset all, all the time, and remember, alcohol's just waiting, waiting when we need the ease and comfort of living sober with all these uh, negative feelings. But with the alcoholic, his hope, this is our hope, is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. So I want to maintain this relationship with God and grow in it. This business of resentment is infinitely grave. How can I grow, maintain and grow with God if I'm blocked by some repeated anger or blaming somebody else for something that happened? I can't, you can't do both. You can't have peace with God and, and resentment and fear. It can't exist at the same time. We found that it is fatal. It kills me, blocks me from the sunlight of the spirit. They're gonna say that in the next line. It's fatal for my spiritual well-being. It's called spiritual disease. And then remember, if I'm at spiritual disease, my mind's waiting, just waiting to give me the obsession to drink or use, and then I'm off again and running. And I'm blocked physically from the world if I'm angry at people. Remember, I lose my fear of people when I'm willing to forgive everybody. And I can see my mistakes and not focus on them. That's why I said praying for someone may work, but I can't pray for them till I've forgiven them. I can't, I, it won't work for me, I can't speak for you, if I'm angry when I'm praying for someone. I have to have forgiven them and said these prayers so I can pray for them out of love. And when I pray for people now, I just ask them to open their hearts to the Lord so that he can work in them. 
we found it's fatal for when I harbor these feelings, I put them in a safe place, I shut myself. I'm the one that shuts myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. Good job, Michael. And then guess what? If I'm blocked from God, the insanity of alcohol returns because I have to have a relationship with God if I'm a real alcoholic to not drink again. Willpower won't do it. I have no power to do it. I have to have a, be in the sunlight of the spirit. And if I'm blocked, then guess what? I'm in danger zone. And with us, to drink is to die. So here's the key paragraph. If I'm to live, anybody wants to live, we had to be free of anger. Now, I've had some people pound the desk and say, oh, you don't get angry. <laughs> or, yeah, and, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't anybody here today, but we all know who it was. And that was quite a meeting when he banged the table and yelled at me. Um, free of anger. Now, we, we can get angry, but we don't want to be in bondage to it. So we have to recognize the feeling so we can have God set us free from it. So the word is, doesn't say we never get angry. We want to be free of the power of anger. Okay? And to me, it happens a lot. And, you know, I use this example all the time. You know, somebody's got too many groceries in front of me or they're too slow and, you know, whatever. Simple things. I can get, start to get a little agitated, but I can stop. Just say the prayers. I don't even say the prayers that we're going to go through uh, that much anymore because I just know I'm wrong when I'm uh, disturbed. I'm seeing it wrong. Go to God. Say, God, they are who they are. Just move on, Michael. But that's taken me a long time, and I don't do it all the time. I'm not perfect. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. Now, we all know what grouchy is, and brainstorm was not brilliance. It was rage when they wrote the, the book in 1939. That was the definition. They may anger. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men. Dubious is questionable. I don't know that anger is good for anybody. And then they talk about um, the example is given Christ in the temple, and he was angry. And people use that as a justification for their own anger. But he had a zeal for his father's house, which is different. And, and we may have be capable of righteous anger, alcoholics, but I think it's dangerous when I think I have righteous anger. Now, we can have things happen to us that cause us harm, or they cause us grief, or they're not something that someone's done that's really acceptable. But we're going to learn now how to forgive them and not stay angry at them, which is hard. But we say the Lord's Prayer at this meeting, forgive us as we forgive those. And so people are going to trespass us, and we need to forgive them if I want to be forgiven. But for the alcoholic, these things are poison. It's poison for me to be angry all the time. It kills me. And the example, and you've all heard this, is resentment is me drinking poison, hoping you, you'll die. Now, when I heard that the first time, I had to replay it, because you know I'm kind of slow. <laughs> I'm taking poison, hoping you'll die. 
That's not good. But I think that's what it's true. It's a really true statement. <coughs> we turn back to the list. Now, the list is just the first three columns of those institutions, people, or things that we were angry at. And then the cause, what, what did I think they did? Or what did I, they do? And then what was threatened? Three columns, shouldn't take long. 20 names, three columns. You're not writing a book on how your ex-wife upset you. You get it? Limit it to six or seven lines, succinct. Because it really doesn't matter, as we're going to learn. And then that list is the key to the future. So you think they're being serious. I think they're being serious. Because I know a lot of people haven't done the first three columns and haven't done these paragraphs. And a lot of them have not stayed sober. In fact, I can't get a lot of people to do this. It's a lot of work to take three sheets of paper and write three columns. I mean, it's a lot of work. Somebody, uh, Stu was there, he pounded his book. He says, I don't have time for Michael's world. I'm really busy. OK. I said, OK, that's all right. But you know, um, I don't know how he's doing. But for me, they hold the key of the future. And I have to do it all the time. I do, this, I do it in my head pretty quickly. And so I'm prepared to look at it from a different angle. And we read the examples in the book. but. We had to see it from an entirely different angle. So we want to change our glasses. We want to take off the glasses that I had, a new pair of glasses, and put on God's glasses. That's basically, you've heard the expression, new pair of glasses. Here I'm taking off God's glasses, and I'm going to put on my glasses and put on God's. So I know that now that whenever I'm disturbed and I'm a bit irritated or angry or whatever, I have the wrong glasses on. And could it be, they could be doing something that may not be excusable even. But I still have to change the glasses. And I don't have to excuse people for what they're doing, but I have to forgive them. There's a difference. Because forgiveness works for me, in my heart. It changes me. It doesn't change them. That's important. I didn't understand that. When I forgive somebody, it changes me. It doesn't change them. I can't change them anyway. We began to see, so I'm beginning to see, as I put on God's glasses, that the world and its people really dominated me. I think that was true. I was dominated by what they thought of me, did I get their approval, what they did, how it threatened me, blah, blah, blah. I was really sad. Now, in that state, when they're dominating me, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real. Now, remember, we're inventorying our wrongs. And the wrong resentment is wrong judgment. I'm seeing it wrong. I'm judging them wrong. So the wrongdoing of others fancied are real. Now, most of the time, it's not even real. I have gotten upset at people who I think don't like me. Now, they've never said anything to me. But I could just tell they don't like me. So then I'm not going to like them. Dick's shaking his head. He knows what I'm talking about. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I think alcoholics have done that. I'm sure you've all done that. They don't like me. I don't, I'm not going to like them, blah, blah, blah. The wrongdoing of others' fancies are real had the power to actually kill. It's going to kill me. So what I see as wrong is going to kill me. 
wrong judgment. So how could we escape? Anybody want to escape this way of thinking and seeing and acting and living? We saw that these resentments must be mastered. And I can't master them. Remember, I can't get rid of self-centeredness on my own, right? I can't stop drinking on my own. Willpower won't work. I can't master resentments on my own. Self-help books won't help me. At least me. It may help you. And this may be considered a self-help book, but this is God's help book. How I let God help me. But how? I didn't know how. I would wake up in the morning and go to work and say, I'm not going to get upset today. Anybody else do that? And maybe I go to, Brian did that. Maybe I go till 9.30, 10, 11. A good day, 1 o'clock. But something would happen. And it would happen automatically that I'd get disturbed. I'd get, and and I, I wanted them to be able to master them. But how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. Remember, moral and philosophical convictions alone would not work for me. It's not going to keep me from drinking. People don't understand alcoholism. I was a Bible study. Getting drunk is a sin. It's horrible, you know. And I, so I asked them, how many drinks before you're a sinner? You know? And they don't understand alcoholism. And I think it's, we're sinners, but since we have no power, we have no power not to do it. It's different. And so, and I was listening to the book of James about temptation and desire gives way to sin. And I was thinking that we are tempted and we have desire, but we have no power not to do it. And that's why I think Father Bill W. in his famous talk on XA Speakers, he was a Catholic priest. Best story I think I've heard of anybody. And it's Father Bill W. XA Speakers. He said, when an alcoholic dies, they're in right relationship with God because they were powerless to be different. And the alcoholic who dies sober with, in, with a relationship with God, he's saved as well. And that really helped me when my son died. I thought about that. <coughs> That's why we should never look down on people who aren't staying sober something hello. They have no power to do a different. Alcoholics drink, drug addicts use. We're an anomaly only as long as we're in relationship with God. So this was their course. So this is their course on how the first three columns were the key to their future, and they're going to look at it in a different way. And we realize, remember, realize suddenly you see something different. And we realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Anybody ever heard that? We realize suddenly it clicks, and it's going to click here. I realize that the people who wronged me were perhaps spiritually ill. Now, I don't focus on that they're bad. I focus that they just have their own personality. And they are who they are, and we're all sinful by nature, according to Paul in Romans. We have a sinful nature. They're spiritually sick. And though I don't like the symptoms of their spiritual illness and the way they disturbed me, they, like ourselves, were sick too. Hello. I was, am sick. And I'm sick for seeing them wrong, that they're just human beings with their own personality. And um, I was, now it took me a few years, I don't laugh, for me to realize I was on other people's resentment lists. 
It's kind of sad, but that was a realization. Uh, well, bet I pissed that one off. And it's true. We, we're on other people. We're interacting. And if you want an example, just turn on the news. Look at the world, people in conflict. And so this will keep me from being in conflict with everybody and everything. I don't want to do that anymore. I want God to be my director. And I'm spiritually ill. The people I'm angry at are spiritually ill too. And so what do I do? Here's the first prayer that they did. They asked God, asking God as a prayer, God, help me show the same tolerance, pity, and patience to this person that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. So I say, God, give me tolerance, patience, pity, patience, and I put love in there. And I put compassion and understanding that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And that's the first prayer. So that's the first prayer I say. Two, when a person offends me, I say to myself, this is a sick person. This is a human being. They have a sinful nature. How can I be helpful to them? That's the second prayer. First prayer is give me love, patience, and tolerance for this person. They're sick like me. God, this is a sick person. They're spiritually ill, just like me. How can I be helpful to them? Well, don't be angry at them. Be loving towards them. Forgive them. And think about what I can do to help them. And remember, it says on page 84, we turn ourselves to those, resolutely turn ourselves to those we can help. So I want to resolutely turn myself away from being angry to how I can be helpful to this person. The third prayer, this is the important one. God, save me, not them. Save me from being angry. Save me from my anger towards them. Change the way I see them. Save me. Because we just read that if I'm angry, it's fatal. I'm shut off from the sunlight of the sinners. Thy will be done. Prayer one, ask God to show me the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would give a sick friend or any other human being. When a person offends or I bothered, this is a sick person, how can I be helpful to them? Three, God save me from being angry, thy will be done. And here's the key line. It's five words. We avoid retaliation or argument. I have to remember that at home. Keep your mouth shut. Just, she'll say something, keep my mouth shut. She's right, I'll say you're right, honey. Avoid retaliation or argument, doesn't do any good. We wouldn't treat sick people day, and I don't try to argue or retaliate with people who are disturbed. It's, there's no point in it. They don't want to let go of their resentments or change the way they see things. Nothing I say is going to matter. So I don't want to get upset for them, so I have to say the prayers. And if I retaliate or argument, I destroy my chance of being helpful. And I don't know when I can be of help to them, but if I want to be helpful, I have to avoid retaliation or argument. Now here's the key one, I can't be helpful to people. I know that. But at least God, show me how to take a kind and tolerant view of each and every one. That's the fourth prayer. I can't be helpful to everyone. God, show me how to be kind and tolerant view of each and every one I see all day long, every day. And that's it. 
23 minute, how to be free of anger. Now, try these prayers all day long and see if they work. And that's why uh, I go through, when I do the four step with someone, we do the columns and I go through it with them. And then we go through the prayers for each one. Then it says, referring to the list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done. You see, I'm not seeing their wrongs anymore because I've changed the way I see them. Then I resolutely look for my own mistakes. I can't see my own mistakes if I'm still angry at them. And try to talk to someone that's angry about something. And they don't want to let go of it. And then a lot of times they're blaming you for what's going on. And that's not going to work well to change them. And then it says, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. So that's what I call the fourth column. What did I do? What did I actually do? Well, I got angry. That's one. Two, I'm inconsiderate all the time. I'm not considerate that they are who they are. They're spiritually sick just like me. Then it's usually I'm in fear or I'm being self-centered or dishonest. And then it says, where had I been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened? And then you see your character defects. So the fourth column when I do it is, what were your mistakes? What did you actually do? And then the fifth column is, what were my character defects? Where was I on the left-hand side of the column? I can't be angry unless I'm on the left side of the column in self. If I'm on the right side with God practicing his character, I won't be angry. Now I have to say the prayers so I can move from the left-hand side to the right-hand side. And then when I'm with God, I can look and see my mistakes. I can see my character defects. And then the other thing I do is I uh, can see how I harm them. So I do six columns. Fourth column is what mistakes I actually do. Five, what were the character defects triggered? Six, did I harm this person at all and how? And then I can use that for my eighth and ninth step. And if I haven't forgiven them with the prayers, I can't go to the fourth column. It's not gonna do any good. And sometimes you have to say the prayers a long time. And you'll, have to, you'll hear, I can't forgive this person. You'll hear, somebody did something horrible to me when I was a child. And that's, that's true, it's horrible. But unless you can learn to see them differently, you're not going to be free of that. What they did to you when you were five, you're still carrying around when you're 40. And they still have power over you. So this is using God to break that. It's not going to excuse them. It's not going to change what happened. But it's going to be freeing you from that. And I think it's so powerful. And that's really what he's saying in the Lord's Prayer. And so. We try, though the situation not been entirely our fault, sometimes it isn't. We try to disregard the other person entirely. This is my inventory of my thinking to change my life forever. These are the tools you learn in the fourth step that you're going to use the rest of your life. It becomes automatic. Oh, I'm upset. Well, there you go. They are who they are. Say the prayers, Michael. And what was the mistake? I got upset. I'm inconsiderate. I'm impatient. I can, can be a little impatient. I'm intolerant, fearful. You get it? And now I kind of laugh at myself because it's so silly. And I don't want to spend that much time in it. 
but sometimes we do, and that's why we inventory at night. And during the day, in step 10, they have the instructions on how you do this right away. The inventory was ours, not the other man's. Where was I to blame? This is about me, my actions, my thinking's wrong, my judgment's wrong. When we saw our faults, we listed them, we placed them before us in black and white. It's life-saving. How long does it take to do? It's how many paragraphs? Six paragraphs? There are, you can get books on it, you can get handouts, you can get guides on the internet. This is five, six paragraphs. We placed them, we admitted our wrongs honestly, and we're willing to set matters straight. So you're already seeing the person different. You've forgiven them, and you're willing to make amends to them. And when you're willing to make amends to anybody on your list, guess what? You're free of fear of them. Isn't that great? And I used to be afraid of people. I, I don't know if there's anyone, um, I might be a little, if somebody walked through the door, but I'd be willing to make amends to them. And that's the big difference. And that changes us completely, because that puts us at right with the world. Everybody outside of this room who would walk in, I'm willing to make amends. I've forgiven them. I've changed my attitude. And you may have to do this quite a bit with some one person keeps saying the prayers, talk through it with a sponsor. But the important thing is to let go of the freedom of the bondage to this person, what they did, what you thought they did, to be able to have a relationship with God. So 29 minutes. I hope that was helpful.